I'm Sandra, and I'm just the professional your small business was looking for. But you didn't hire me because you didn't use LinkedIn jobs. LinkedIn has professionals you can't find anywhere else, including those who aren't actively looking for a new job, but might be open to the perfect role, like me. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't visit other leading job sites. So if you're not looking on LinkedIn, you'll miss out on great candidates like Sandra. Start hiring professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com slash people today. This podcast is for entertainment purposes only and does not replace your own financial, tax, legal, or financial product advice. Hey everyone, welcome to My Millennial Money. I'm Glenn James. Today, I've got Shell and M from My Millennial Career in the studio with me to do a Q&A, your questions answered. It's an MMA. MMA? Yeah, My Millennial Answers. Oh, yeah, nice. But careers. I don't think it was your turn to talk yet, Shell. Oh. No, whatever. Hey, how are you? I'm good. (laughs) So, first question, how have you both found My Millennial Career, the podcast, has gone this year? What's the feedback like being on the ground? Go in. Oh, the feedback has been good, actually. I'm seeing, I get a lot of LinkedIn connection requests. That feels like a good feedback loop. That is a good feedback loop. It's been fun. It's been good having guests on this this season. Yeah, so the that's first been season very different. It's kind of just you and me hanging out. Not that I didn't enjoy that because I did. I think you've been missing it. I have. Fact. I have been missing it. Just you and me call time. Mm. But no, season two is going well. Lots of good reviews and yeah good feedback yeah so if you haven't already jump on to my millennial career give it a subscribe give us a a review if you listen on apple and the girls they're just just doing a great job oh thanks thanks boss so first question how would you rate my uh qualities and performance as a leader (laughs) I was just starting to think this feels a little bit suspiciously like a performance review and I'm not sure who's yet. Okay, so let's hit him with the 360 well, we feedback. We don't see much of you. No. Which is- so we call that an absent manager. <laughs> or a really good one. Yeah. <laughs> just, we're just running the show. Yeah. yeah. All right. First question here. I put it up on Instagram and these girls have not seen any of these questions. So they're on the fly. Pop quiz. Mm. Uh, it's from Ben Howen, a good friend of the show. He's a local. Tips on applying where roles are asking for more experience than you have, but you know you could probably just do the role. I would apply for a job if you hit about 70 to 80% of what they're asking for. So, therefore, more often than not, particularly if you're interested in a bit of career progression, you're probably going to find yourself in this situation. And I'd be looking for maybe... If you can't nail that question specifically how it's asking, look for experiences that you've had that you could transfer and make the connection for the reader. Love it. Agree. Go for it, Ben. Yeah. Now, it's funny. Was it you, one of you or somewhere saying that, uh, and it can probably flow into that gender pay gap thing that's happening. Was it you saying like women are less likely Mm. to apply unless they know they've got Yes. 100% of the skills. That's right. We're a modest bunch. We right. hold back to our own detriment. So, women, just go for it. Yeah, 70 to 80%. Throw your hat in the ring. You've got to be in it to win Bloody it. Bloody 50%. If you can do I, half that crap. Well, don't waste my time. Yeah. <laughs> I do think, though, it is it, it it is one of those things where it's put your hat in the ring, see how you go because what's there to lose? And you, all you need to do is be the strongest contender on the day. 
Yeah, because there could be like crap applicants that totally. can do 5% of it. You don't know your competition. You've rocked up with 50. And, and like- every interview or every application you go, every interview process or recruitment process is a learning opportunity. Yep. And to be honest, let's make it 60% for females because we tend to undervalue our uh, We underrate our yeah. skills. Yeah. So our 60% is probably a guy's 80%. Yeah. Go for it. Sorry, I'm back now. I was just moving something, if you could hear that. It's all right. We're used to just keeping the show it's rolling. that absent manager thing we were talking about. <laughs> yeah, I disappeared through a recording. <laughs> like, okay, I know we were rambling on a little there, but sure. He's gone. There's a feedback loop. All right, there's another question here from Rachel. I can't pronounce her last name. Schluzner or something like that. How do you know when you're happy in your career? Oh, we were just talking. We just recorded an episode before this. Really? On this exact com- vibe. Yeah. We've talked right. about it a few times. Like it just keeps coming up, unsurprisingly. How do you know you're happy? Is well, this, are you doing the politician thing of trying to think while you're know? repeating well, the question? I am. I, I know. Oh, okay. But I thought you were asking us the question. Yeah, I know. But it's you- like an exam. He has the answer. We yeah. gave him the answers earlier. Uh, I'm going to say energy and then you can give the long version. I think. Sense, sense check. How do you feel on a Monday morning? How do you feel on the drive to work? If you're working from home, how do you feel when you clock off? Those are usually the signals. If you if you wake up in the morning and you are energised, like you said, M, energy is a big factor, and you're excited to go to work or you're overall feeling energised about it, good signs. If you are feeling pretty miserable – and this is so basic, but right? Can I, no, if but you feel miserable, it's, you're probably not happy. <laughs> <laughs> but, but what I would add is, you know, um, oh, here I go again. So, like, at the end of a gym sesh, you're super, you know, Shell? Yeah, super- I know because I go to the gym. I don't. No. You're, you're like, you're exhausted, but it's like good tired. And, and yeah. I think it's the same with work. Like, don't get me wrong. When we say energy, you can still be tired. You can still be exhausted at the end of a week or a day. But it's that feeling of, no, I love this. Like I'm a bit of a sicko and I actually love it and it's worth feeling tired for. And so it's a different energy. Yeah, it's like that stretch thing. If you're getting stretched and challenged in a in a kind of healthy way, that's usually a good indicator of your engagement. If that's not happening, then I would start going, well, what's the next thing? Is it the job? Do I need to look for an expanded role? Do I need to look for a different business? Because we do – there's a really strong correlation between your job satisfaction and the level of – growth and challenge that you have on a day-to-day basis and now what was your answer because well I was just going to say I'll cut to the point if you're thinking about these (laughs) questions you're probably not happy yeah oh no I disagree because I'm constantly questioning and I'm super happy yeah yeah okay well but I just check as that check back in right it's Mm. like okay so today was a tough day or I'm feeling exhausted or it's been like a big few months just checking, is it still worth it? Yep, mm. good, keep going. Okay, another question here from Ubeans. How closely aligned to our moral compass and values should we stay when picking a workplace? As closely as close as possible. Oh, this is this is an interesting question. We were talking before Em and I on the drive down here, actually, because that's when we get to hang out when we drive to the mm-hmm. studio, um, about ethical kind of dilemmas in the workplace and they come up, right? So you might work somewhere and you've experienced an ethical dilemma where a boss is asking you to do something that 
doesn't align, not at my millennial money, that would never happen here. <laughs> I probably would. Because, well, we're volunteers. So yeah, exactly. <laughs> it doesn't happen to us. Um, it, it is really important. When you go for an interview, you're being interviewed for the role, but you're interviewing the employer. And you need to sense check the the ethical nature of the business. Now, sometimes that'll be obvious in an interview. I shared a story at a webinar about an interview I went uh, to a while back where they asked me if I would uh, be okay to not recruit people of a certain ethnicity. Crazy, right? It's, yeah. It was, it was awful. It was, and But you were thankful they asked you because you knew <laughs> what they were and like. And I was like, that's the end. Like, that was, one of the, that was one of the last questions. But I got out of there and thought, oh, thank goodness they asked me that because there's not a chance I'd ever be able to work there. Mm-hmm. And Imagine so f- if you'd found that out on day one or day 100. Oh, my goodness, Anne. But that's the thing. You need to sanity check. So for um, U-beans, is that what they you, instead? Yeah, yeah. U-beans. U U-beans. Ask questions to sanity check that if you're already employed – and you're not comfortable with some of the things that are getting asked of you and they are an ethical issue, I'd be getting out of there. Values are just so core to who we are as humans and if you let something slide once and think you can live with it, you might – I don't know, I think that over time it's not going to be the only time that happens and it's going to build up and then, yeah, it's not going to last. It's not sustainable. Yeah, it's a hard no. A-P-E-L-E – Apelli, I guess, dream career could take. Ooh. Here we go, and you know it's not all about careers and money. This my millennial money crap. It's about relationships too. Dream career could take me interstate or overseas. Partner does what does not want to move. Oh wow! Are we qualified to give this kind of advice? No, and we will. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Well, I guess you got to. It's weighing up your options. Hey, I mean. Like, how good is your partner? I mean, and I was just going to say, isn't your career like the most important thing in your life? <laughs> that's just me. I think that's just you. <laughs> I was going to say, what's your partner think about that, Em? We'll get back to you on that one. Yeah, so that's complicated, is my answer. What's your answer? The silence. The silence. Is, is deafening. Oh, it's so personal, isn't it? And I think we – so we literally just did an episode today on dream job, fact or fiction. And so if, if this person's going to pursue what they think is their dream job without having done it before or knowing in its fullness and potentially having to disrupt their relationship to pursue that, I think that's a, quite a big risk for something that could be unknown. And, and but then also how much do you like your partner? Like have you been with them for one minute or for like 10 years? I don't know. I mean, if I was in a long-term partnership or whatever they call them, marriages, <laughs> civil unions, I don't know, bloody de facto, and there was an opportunity. Do you know what? So, yeah. someone left my business, uh, not my business, the place I work. Someone left the place I work this year. Uh, she's engaged and she's gone overseas to teach for a year. And her partner has stayed here and they're making it work and they have a house here. So, but that was something she really needed to do for herself. But like that's it's also so quantified as in I'll be back yeah. in a year, come and visit halfway through type thing. Yeah, although COVID. Yeah. I, I think when you're in a relationship that's serious, 
Like for me, I'm married. I've often is wanted. Is serious Ed, though? Ed, <laughs> yeah, it's pretty serious. And there's a child. There's a child and a child on the way. Um, you're in, you, these decisions are decisions you make together. Mm. So it's not. I don't. It can never be either or t- in my mind in these types of scenarios. So what you're saying is uh, the questioner dream c- career could take me interstate. Probably need to reframe it. Dream career could take us. That's right. Interstate us overseas but we're not prepared to do that. Mm, Maybe the partnership has been around for 20 minutes. And and if it's the case and he or she isn't the one, all right, see you later, being real. Um, There's some wisdom in that. mm, Shall we answer another question? Go for it. That's what we're here for. Hit hit us with it. (laughs) Hate my job, but it pays well. Not, Not sure what to do. Not sure what to change. And passion, quote unquote, jobs don't equal money. M, these are crackers. We've like these are all the things we need to put into season three. I think we are, and I think we are. You're right. As of now, we are. So you go first. What's your response? So can you just read the question out without us interrupting, please? Hate my job, but it pays well. Not sure what to change to, and quote unquote passion jobs don't equal dollar signs. Ah, okay, cool. So I'm a massive believer in. Pay does not equal happiness. And if we think about like sustainable happiness and the fact that it's, you know, you want to get out of bed every day and feel like a fulfilled, energized person, then I really do believe in chasing passion over pay. Uh, I've come across some really, really high income earners and they're miserable. And also, look, maybe you can do a high paying, not passion job for a sprint like you could do it for a short period because it hits some goals or helps you hit some goals but over the longer term it's just not going to last like your career is 40 years long I wonder if you could like you know the shoe would have to fit like go part-time at both jobs and then kind of balance out well it actually I'd probably just piggyback off that point and say maybe there are other ways to hit the passion Yeah, and therefore be more okay with not loving your day job. Like we put a lot of pressure on our nine to fives to Mm. sort of tick every box. There's another question here from Rosie Jane. How do you know when to pull the pin on an unsatisfying job, role or organisation? Yeah, it's a great question, Rosie. I think we need to be... Doing those self-checks like we said before. So how do you monitor your own well-being? And what are you doing to check in with that regularly to go, how do I feel about this job? If your workplace is toxic and the culture is toxic and you've been there for a while and you've done some stuff to try and change it and you realise, well, there's nothing really I can do to change it, I think those are the instances where it's time to leave, trying to find another and it's better to do that sometimes sooner and preemptively rather than later because I see people stay too long in a toxic culture and it gets really messy. So doing that a little bit proactively is my advice. I agree. Uh, but maybe it's not toxicity. Maybe it's just that you're not getting the stretch opportunities. It's not... Um, the glass ceiling, if you yeah, will. Yeah, sure. Absolutely. And so I would then think, well... If I, I believe in averages, so I think if you have one bad day or one bad week or one bad month, then that's not necessarily enough to leave if, gener- you know, if over six months it's been really great. So just check in uh, with a bit of more of a like bird's eye view of, of what the six-month period has been like or even the three-month period. 
But if you feel like this is not stepping you towards your goals, go and look for something that is. Yeah, and I think you need a, you know, if there is that itch or this is very unsatisfying organisation. So I'm reading this one and there's another question that I'll get to, but we'll read this question that it's unsatisfying, Mm. whatever we're doing. Okay, when to pull the pin, as soon as we map out a plan and follow the steps to the plan, so then it allows us to pull the pin. Because we're not just pulling the pin and sitting at home wishing, oh, I don't have a job anymore. If you've got to run to something, not from something. Agreed. Now, there's a question here from Megs. Uh, job severely affecting my mental health, should I quit during a pandemic? We oh, we we get like we do a lot of good chat when we're driving. We do. Here. We talked about this as well, and it was interesting. We were throwing around this idea of well, if you're at that point where it's severely affecting your mental health, the short advice is like you need to get out of there straight away. Where we started to unpack that though is if you haven't set yourself up with um, maybe you know because income and paying your bills is going to continue to be important. And it sounds like the fear there is an inability to get another job quickly due to the pandemic then that makes life a lot more Mm. difficult and you basically start to feel like you haven't got choice. So I think the other thing we need to be mindful of is hopefully you don't get to that point. But if you've gotten to that point, you've actually set yourself up with a contingency plan. So you've been building your career security. You've been saving your finances so that you've, you know, got a little bit of a safety net there and you've got choice um, or you feel a bit more comfortable to move. And then also, if, you, if it's that bad, you absolutely do need to leave. Maybe consider going and doing a job that is just a job for a period, Yeah, not necessarily a major career move. And all of this stuff is anytime this type of question comes up, it's something that you absolutely need to be talking to your doctor and psychologist about. Like they're the people that you engage with on these types of questions because, you know, they're going to be able to give you the indicator of what's going to be best for you. Yeah, that's true because there might be some other strategies that are better or that need to go alongside. Yeah, and I would say from somebody who has had mental health issues or does, I'd probably say you need to first work out. So let's make up a scenario. I'm a barista. This is stressful and it's like really stress is a mental health issue if it's unchecked, right? Because it can just spiral Mm, out. mm. Okay, so we need to make sure that our mental health is fine regardless of the job because yeah. I, I guess what I'm getting at is speak to your doctor, go and do the psychologist stuff if you haven't already because if you think that job is triggering your mental health, if it's an underlying actual mental health problem and not just I'm stressed being a barista, the mental health issues can follow you because it's actually you with the, I guess, issues that you need to resolve. Yeah, you don't leave that at your job and then walk yeah, out Yeah, albeit medication, yeah. talk therapy and all that stuff. Yeah. So, yeah, but I mean, should I quit during a pandemic? I would probably say if you haven't got something lined up, no, I would first go to your GP and try and work through this stuff. And, and you know, yeah. the other thing employees don't often know you have what we call uh, what's part of the Fair Work Act, a right to request flexible work. And particularly if you have a health or um, underlying uh, illness, you have a, a legal right to request that. doesn't mean your employer needs to, to uh, agree. So what I have seen work really well in these scenarios is where someone comes and says, 
um, to, to the HR person, I'd like to request a flexible work arrangement where I've talked to my psychologist, I think maybe moving from full time to three days for a period of three months will enable me to be more mentally healthy. Is this something you would consider? And then the business has to legally consider that they've got 21 days to respond to your request. So use those levers to try and get an outcome that's going to mitigate some of your financial risk, but also mean that you can stay in employment. That'd mm. be my advice. And and please just, you know, take our answers with a grain of salt because I was just thinking then like someone might say, oh, Glenn said don't quit if it's affecting your mental health. No, no, hear me. <laughs> like, sure, if it's absolutely chaotic, chaotic, yeah, bloody get the hell out of there and do what Em said. But as a general, I'm stressed. I get a bit of anxiety from the customers because they're all freaking idiots. Um yeah, maybe we can work through that. So, again, every situation is different. Here's an interesting one from Liam. Climb the ladder in the one business or jump between businesses to climb the ladder quicker? I have read and heard uh, that apparently you can climb the ladder more quickly if you jump around. It's funny. I, I find – I just believe that everyone's process – through their career is so personal to them. So for me, for example, I've stayed in the one business and I have wondered at times, you know what, could I be earning a higher salary or could I have maybe um, been in what might be perceived as a more senior role if I had moved companies over the past 10 years and then I've decided, but I'm actually so happy where I am. Why would I move just to move? Yeah, and I think it is personal. So There is great opportunity. We were just talking about how you need to diversify your career portfolio. Mm. There's great opportunity and stretch that comes with moving from organisation to organisation. So sometimes those, the culture shock you get from going from one business to another, might be a very similar role, is a growth opportunity. So I love when people take that. I think you need to be careful if you're moving around too frequently because that is where I think there is, um, you know, as a person looking at uh, applications all the time, I always have a red flag if people are moving too frequently. I think as well, like from me being in the financial advice industry and particularly I was close with a lot of uh, investment companies and insurance companies. Now, it's it's worth kind of us discussing this because if you're in this middle management with a company and you've been there five years, it's very hard to move up and a lot of times people they'll get the opportunity up with another company because familiarity breeds content so there's that angle to it but then secondly to your point shell i totally agree it's like oh this person oh you work with them now do you oh you work with them now have you got this thing it's like particularly with your industry like if it's a different industry and you're moving around probably get away with it but Australia, we're a small island here and like you probably all know the same type of people in the HR and career world. And you, you know where you see it quite a lot and I was talking to someone uh, who, worked at, who works at Deloitte and they were saying the big four, obviously you see that movement quite a lot in consulting where we've got all these people moving around and you start people start to talk, especially those in those HR roles. So they know people very well and you, you, there's risk to both scenarios. Getting stuck in middle management sucks, right? But also getting a name for yourself as someone who jumps ship to get the next opportunity. Sucks harder. 
I think it does. Maybe, yeah. Well, yeah. Yeah, because then after a little while, the next potential employer will go, well, they're just going to leave here in 12 months. So we'll save ourselves the trouble and find someone who will stay for three to five years. Yeah, that's it. And and can we just before you move on to the next question, because I can see you're you're he's, very he's disengaging. Keen. He's oh, in- sorry, very keen. <laughs> he's very keen. He's very sorry. keen to move on. Yeah. AKA disengaged. We're recording this on a Saturday and I want to get back on the lounge and watch something. Have a conversation with your boss. So if you're if you're thinking I can't get I can't I've been in middle management for three years in this one role, I sh- I wanted to move up by now. And you haven't had a conversation with someone about that? Well, talk to them. I, I'm getting a high five. How good? I feel so left out. Oh, I'm sorry. Do you want one? <laughs> no, it's fine. Oh, okay. Have the conversation. I can see you, you're just really eager to move on. I feel like you're wrapping me up. I, Is that a- I am because two <laughs> things. The next question just dovetails perfectly oh. into this and it's about loyalty. And we'll be back right after this. Money, property, careers, health, small business. We love learning how to do all of these well so we can live our best life. That's why we've made podcasts focused on a variety of topics. Check out My Millennial Money, My Millennial Money Express, My Millennial Property, My Millennial Health, My Millennial Business, Gen Z Money, and You To Me, You To You, You To Us, which is just about sexual and reproductive health. Find these wherever you're listening to this podcast. Okay, Miranda says, following on from Shell getting passionate about have the conversation i was jumping out of my chair because miranda says how to overcome a sense of loyalty to your boss when you want to move on or up miranda that's such a good question what's going to come out of no no i want you to go first because i i cut you off before Because I didn't get a high five. Yeah, you didn't get a uh, high five. So I was just going to say for me it's honesty. Like I, I am a very, very, very loyal person and I um, have only come to recognise that sort of recently. It wasn't a characteristic I recognised before. And there are times when I think to myself, is this actually hindering me? But at the end of the day, if you're honest, if you've got like a solid relationship, then you will still be considered loyal. And you'll be able to move and you'll feel fine about it, I believe. Yeah. And you've talked a lot on the podcast, Em, about how we need to be upfront with our manager about what we want. And so sometimes that means, you know, from the outset of employment, like my manager and I often laugh about how I will talk to her about when I leave, I'm going to do this and this and this. And so it just becomes this normalized thing of I will leave. Mm. I love you. She's been the most amazing boss and I love working for her and I'm and loyal to her. But I'm not going to the grave here, darling. Well, that's right. I'm not going to retire here. And so making that um, – it's not either or with loyalty. You can still absolutely love working for your boss, but you also need to sometimes take the plunge and move on and that that's the, there's a risk in that. But for Miranda, I'd be saying have the conversation. Yeah, loyalty is not just staying. Loyalty is – but caring enough about the relationship to be upfront and to be honest. That's right. I reckon as well, like as an employer, I would like I would so value discussions. It's like, hey, this is what I want to do with my career long term. Like, I, and to be honest, I can't see it happening here unless you can tell me otherwise. I would value your wisdom in this. I love that. That and is can, so good. You can still be loyal once you've left a company. 
it's just like you're loyal to that relationship with that boss or with those people that you care about just in a different context. And do you know there is a dark side of loyalty because when someone stays too long, things things get weird. Mm, yeah. And I've seen that a lot. Mm. <laughs> you both are like, mm, wrap it up. Yeah, well, it's just interesting. <laughs> this other one here, and sorry, I just don't – I can't pronounce all these Instagram handles – what are the common trade-offs of getting your company to sponsor you a master degree? What are the common trade-offs? What does that mean? Well, let's okay. What what do we have to do to get our employment or employers to pay for further education? Put together a business case. Step one. Mm. And obviously I think if the trade-off is I would prefer my employer to contribute to my master's as opposed to giving me a pay rise. Ask for that. Hey, at annual REM time, instead of giving me a 2%, 3%, 10 grand pay rise, can you contribute that money towards my study? Because there usually are trade-off decisions. Also, your employer may have a study kind of fund that they can use, but you generally do need to put a business case together to prove why that relates to your role and how that'll create value for the business, not just for you personally. Value is the word I was going to make sure we referenced. So whatever the dollar contribution of that is from the business to your degree, the value they get in return has to be greater. And if you can convince them that it will be, then as long as they you know, financially can fit that in the budget – Easy decision. Yeah, and I think from, I guess, my point of view being an employer and particularly if I'm speaking on behalf of the small business type of the world, and by the way, did you know we do a podcast called My Millennial Business? If I was the employee and you wanted to do further study, Glenn, can I buy you a coffee? Sure. Uh, Look, I want to study this and absolutely show what you said with the business case, but in terms of a practical bit of detail – I would actually say in that business case, uh, and I'm sure you probably can speak to show like the value I can add to the business because of this degree or whatever it is the course, but I would probably say, look, would you consider each module once I pass, I'll pay it up front first, once I pass, you'll reimburse me. So that's a low risk for the employer, number one. So, and then I would say, and then we've got a clawback window of three years or two years. Depending, if it's a 50 grand master's thing, you might say there's a five-year clawback. If I yeah, leave within right. five years, uh, if I leave within two years, it's a 50% clawback, three years, 25% or whatever that is. So you just want buy-in and mutual buy-in. If uh, and I'm just thinking particularly for small business because sometimes the employer might want to do it but there there might not be the budget for it so it's like yeah the value is there but we just do not have the cash it might even be the sort of second sort of option could be the flexible working arrangements or finding a way to actually ask for support from the organisation from the business that's time based rather than cash based as well yeah I love that like five hours can I do four hours a week on my study yeah what do you do when you've just graduated into an industry that's been hit hard by COVID? Mm, such an open question. I mean... Get a temporary job in another industry and then wait till it's back. <laughs> and also try and find an unpaid internship in the industry you want to get into because it is important to try and find 
alternate ways in. So how can I supplement my income by getting a job somewhere else? But also, is there a way of getting voluntary employment or some kind of internship in that so that I've got connection? Because one of the things it's hard when you're a new grad is when you've done all this study, but you don't have any experience and it and then you may, maybe have a year or two where you haven't had any experience after you finished the degree. And the f- longer that time passes, the more difficult I think it is to get into what you want to get into. So there are creative options for gaining employment or voluntary volun- volunteer. How do I Voluntary? say? Yeah, I, I hate the intern word. Do you? Only because um, if you actually look on the Fair Work I website – and I like cause so many of you listening have wanted to intern at My Millennial Money, and yeah, I want all the free labor in the world. Quote unquote. The intern thing on the Fair Work website is basically you can't have somebody as an intern that are doing meaningful work, who are there fixed hours, fixed days. So it's got to be this go and volunteer somewhere. Because I think so many businesses, and I've seen big companies on Instagram and that, like, oh, we've got an internship. You're just after free bloody labor. Yeah, and there is 100%, like, Fair Work have been looking at this over a number of years, and it's come under a lot of scrutiny, and lots of businesses aren't able to do it. But what I, I guess the heart of what I'm trying to say is, is try to keep a foot in the door. We had a conversation or there's an episode that we did, one of our bonus apps on My Millennial Career recently, Shell, that was about the mining and manufacturing industry. And Maya, who is an expert in the manufacturing industry, was talking about the fact that there are many people who maybe are studying or have studied and just finished engineering, research, some sort of like research and development, sort of sciencey space, marketing, and they'll actually go into a manufacturing business and get a job in production or pick pack or like doing a role that is not necessarily their dream career uh, or their dream job um, or something that they want to do long term but it gives them an insight into how that business runs and it also allows them to start to build relationships so that then they can move into the engineering role, the marketing role, the R&D role and so I'm just thinking to your point earlier you could actually just try really hard to work out what's a connection or where can I get a role in the industry so that when the that industry starts to turn back on again, I can actually do something that's more aligned to my degree. I love that. That's great. Yeah. And I just want to, again, apologize. I understand what you're saying with interning and volunteering. You don't need to apologize for me. Okay. <laughs> take it back. <laughs> take it back. No take back. Sorry. <laughs> And following on that internships, uh, El Elbow Kerr, oh, I don't even know what that is, internships as a mature age student with a partner, baby and mortgage, is it worth it? Well, when anything's worth it if you've got the money and you can do it. And if it's actually going to add some value. Mm. I think intern, internships, while we're being on this topic, are really helpful when you're wanting to change career. Because especially when you're that bit older, because what tends to happen is you don't get as much of a a look in when you haven't got that experience. So I would always encourage people to find those creative strategies when they're moving careers. We're just going to finish up with two other questions. Shell is having a look at the list. There was a question in there, what to do with extra money now? I've got a pay rise. I guess from just a money point of view, if you've got debt, you just don't want to 
put that pay rise into general revenue. I would put that extra pay rise because you've been going without it, put it onto paying down debt, put it into your investment account, put it to your goals, put it towards your house deposit. Don't just be a victim. Use this time in your life to not be a victim of lifestyle inflation. Shell, do you want to read the last question that we've got? Okay, here's a good question from Grace. How to find out what what you actually want to do? Three years into uni and no clue. Ooh. Experiment, talk to people, research, try new things. And I can't remember if it was season one where we talked about this of finding out what – oh, it's in the career planning episode. We talked about how do you find out what – energizes you so you do that through obviously testing out different environments but what is it in your job that you're most energized by so for example if you get into accounting and you realize that you don't love data but you actually more love those moments of people engagement you might find that you've actually you're not maybe in the right career zone in that immediate point so for grace what do you love doing in your general life if it's talking to people, if it's connecting with people, well, then find a job where you can do that. If it is more um, technical than that, if you love managing projects, finding jobs that align with that. So you should get a sense at uni when you're working in, um, you're doing your assignments, you're working in teams, what that is, test and learn. And M, what do you think? Because I've just ranted. No, oh, well, look, I threw a few words out there early on. I just I just so believe that if you try to think what do I want to do, you could be there. You could be there all day. You could be there forever. And so the best way is actually to try and to turn, trying to turn that into the practical. And so, you know, there's a reason why we try and do a bit of work experience in school. Yes. And uh, start trying, you know, as we're growing up, we, we're curious about what the adults do, what our parents do, and it's because we're exploring our options. While we're in school, we often hear about the really typical or really common options, like you could be a teacher, you could be a physiotherapist, but there's so much more out there. And so I think when you're at university, what's really cool is you've got access to all of these different professions and all of this different information. And that information comes through reading, talking to people and trying new things. And then you can rule things out and rule things in. And just find your way there. But take the pressure off. Uh, Obviously, it's important to find something that you enjoy doing every day as soon as you can. But also just take the pressure off thinking that you're going to find that dream job before you've even tried anything. Yeah. Mm. This dream job thing's coming up a lot, Glenn. We do have an episode coming out. I know. I was just trying to um, bait you then. Uh, So we talk a lot about how we think the dream job concept is – Spoiler alert. Oh, spoiler alert. Should I do it? Spoil me. I love it when you spoil (laughs) me, baby. Oh, wow. That's really I'm less comfortable than the high five. (laughs) Um, We think that's uh, a bit of a lie, dream job. And so for Grace, don't have that level of expectations. Reframe your expectation. You don't have to find your dream job. Think about a dream career. You're going to have multiple careers in your lifetime and you will have so many different jobs. Can I add, I wonder as well if what, like three years into uni, I wonder if Grace has got any sort of electives in her degree, whether or not she can maybe pick like a random elective from a different degree and just give it a go. Yes. By the time this episode's out, the money journal or the My Millennial Journal, we're doing a journal or diary. Oh, good one. And a lot of 
the pages in there is about just putting goals out, just getting stuff out of your head on mm. paper. So I'd probably say, is it Grace? Grace, yeah. Grace, uh, just flick me an Instagram message and say, hey, Glenn, I heard you talk about me on the uh, career bonus episode and let me know your postal address and I'll pop one in the mail for you because I think it will just help get out of your head. Yeah. Talk to somebody Keep moving. It's okay if you don't know. I often think if you keep moving, at some point, your passion, your vibe will find you. Yeah, it will show itself. And expect some fails. Like I love when people go and get a job and they realise, you know, a year in, a bit of a fail. All good. I know I don't like that. Now I move on. It's move a bit forward. like it's, you're picking the next thing to watch on Netflix. You might get one episode in, two episodes in. You're like, I'm not really into this. Next. I, that's a really good metaphor. Mm, look at NASA, me go. NASA do not call them failures. They call them early success attempts. Yeah, right. Mm. Uh, positive spin on stuff, eh? Look at Giddy you up. go. Well, there we have it. Thank you so much, Shell and M, for jumping on as this bonus MMA on My Millennial Money. Love it. Great Thanks for having us. It's the place where your careers started, wasn't it? Yeah, we've returned home. You've returned home. We surely have. Because if you don't know, Shell and M did some career episodes with us last year and I thought they were pretty reasonable people and all that stuff. And I thought I'd uh, ask them if they wanted to do a podcast. And do you want to do – same way did a bit of performance review on you. Do you want to do a bit of performance review on us? Uh, no, not really. <laughs> <laughs> well, give it, if you, when you do, next get on Apple Podcasts, just give us a five-star rating. Say, okay, I'll you do please that. rate and review us? Yeah, I will. And subscribe. And can you also then create 10 aliases and like do it 10 times Absolutely. more? <laughs> Absolutely. Absolutely. Will Thank do. You. All right, guys. See you later. We acknowledge the dark and young people, traditional custodians of the land on which our studio sits, and pay respect to their elders, past and present. We extend that respect to Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander peoples who may listen to our podcast. My Millennial Money supports A21, a charity focused on abolishing slavery and human trafficking all over the world. Check out a21.org.au for more info. If you would like some other giving options, or if you're unsure about which charity you can support, head to thelifeyoucansave.org.au. If you're looking for a super fund that puts its members' interests above all else, choose a super performer, Sun Super. With low fees, strong investment returns, and great member services, Sun Super is Super Ratings 2020 Fund of the Year and has also been awarded by Money Magazine, CanStar, and Finder. Find out more at sunsuper.com.au forward slash M3. You can join Sun Super online in under five minutes. This podcast is for education and entertainment purposes. Any advice is general financial advice only, which does not take into account your objectives, financial situation, or needs. Because of that, you should consider if the advice is appropriate to you and your needs before acting on the information. If you do choose to buy a financial product, read the product disclosure statement and obtain appropriate financial advice tailored to your needs. Simo Interactive, Proprietary Limited, the publisher of the podcast, is an authorized representative of Money Sherpa, Proprietary Limited, which holds financial services license 451289.
Mom deserves the best, and there's no better place to shop for Mother's Day than Whole Foods Market. They're your destination for unbeatable savings, from premium gifts to show-stopping flowers and irresistible desserts. Start by saving 33% with Prime on all body care and candles. Then get a 15-stem bunch of tulips for just $9.99 each with Prime. Round out Mom's menu with festive rosé, irresistible berry chantilly cake, and more special treats. Come celebrate Mother's Day at Whole Foods Market. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.